Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. Are we still that guy oh, down sorry. there is my friend Chris Ford, aka the Objective Geek. Chris, no, we're not muted because it's time to talk out loud now. I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine. Excellent. That's kind of convincing. You, that was actually usually when you say I'm fine, it's very level. That time you said I'm fine with like like a child who definitely is not fine. <laughs> It's, I am, yeah, it's fine. It's, 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 it's a a week. I'm good. Tomorrow, off, off tomorrow and, uh, having a long weekend. Maybe some shopping, you know, Venture Stock always has their sales every Mm -hmm. holiday. Very easy to time. Literally every holiday Um, they send me a text and I think, I hope they don't pay any amount of money to send that text. I doubt they do. (laughs) I hope they don't. Yeah. Um, uh, movie trading company and, uh, entertain Mart for you other parts of America out there. Mm. Yes, entertain sir. Mart's catchy. I wish that's what ours is called. I don't know why I really like that. No, I like vintage stock. Vintage stock sort of sounds like a wine store. I don't know. What, I mean, just mm. the word vintage, but anyway, yeah, whereas entertain Mart's punny and stupid and that's how I like my titles. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Man, I remember when the first Vintage Stock opened up in Tulsa, and they had commercials. And it's weird that I remember that, even though I wasn't like that into. Yeah, that's local kind of commercials. Yeah. Oh, of course, anyway. Uh, Avatar-related news? Well, not news really. Uh, well, not news at all. But I got this nice 3D print Kyoshi. Hey, that's statue. news to this podcast. Yeah, she looks and, great. Uh, yeah, really, like, let's see here, this house focus. It was pretty much a replica of the statue that she has outside of, uh, in Kelsh Island. So, just gotta paint it, and I'm pretty good at painting things, and should be pretty basic, to be honest. Although the eyes would be the one thing I'm just like, oh, But they're just statue eyes, so I feel like, you know, I kind of like the idea of the replica being of a statue because then that's going to be like more forgiving to its rigid yes it will be yes yes yeah so. it's supposed to the statue in the show is supposed to be made of wood or like some really big tree because you can kind of see the, like the wood knots and stuff in it and so yeah it's fine and even just like this actually looks good because it kind of looks like a like a pearl not pearl marble almost or like an ivory looking yeah, but this I'll made from a real looks. elephant tusk. Yeah, now, this thing is light though. Like <laughs> it's, I didn't realize it was going to be this light. Like this isn't worth sixty bucks, but uh, but uh, it, you know, it's, it's not. A, but I suppose you're not really paying for the figure as much as you're paying like somebody for the file and their time to have their yeah. machine running right. So yeah, it's, if, it's yeah. not. If someone, but it, if this was made on a conveyor belt, it would be probably worth twenty bucks. That's reasonable. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, I, I would say that's a fair statement. But um, hey, listen, uh, we we've got some three D printer hookups. That if we ever find some, if anyone out there wants to point us to a cool place to get pre made three D files, because we are not three D designers, not unless it can be made in Microsoft Excel. 
<laughs> let us know because I would love to send some 3D files over that guy's way and see what he can do. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, Chris. Sean, how are you? Oh, hey, uh, I'm good. I'm real busy and I don't like it. But I do like that football is starting. Football season, like late summer, early fall, is my favorite time of year for like still good weather, football starting. Um, we got like birthdays and anniversaries, and I kind of enjoy that stuff all in that same time frame. So good time of year, very busy right now. What was I going to ask? Oh, uh, typically when you take a day off, you always go to the movies. So are you going to the movie this time? Movies this time? Nah. Particular? Nah. I mean, it is fine. There's nothing really planned. Uh, me and the missus take a, take a day out, just shopping. Oh, yeah, yeah. So around. the kids still got to go to school. Yeah, they do. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Um, well, hey, I hope that goes nicely. And that you don't take the missus to vintage stock for a terribly long time. <laughs> Let's That's how we're equally driving across. She's gone different other places. Okay, so we'll, got we'll, it. We'll both bore each other out. That's the right way. That's the American way. <laughs> uh, well, hey, man, enjoy the much-deserved day off without children and or responsibilities. Um, and, uh, hey, do you have Labor Day plans? I, maybe that was the question that I was working up towards. What do you do on Labor um, Day? Because I don't like doing labor... <laughs> I don't do anything on Labor Day usually. Um, I, have pl- I, have, I have to go to some birthday party. Okay, excellent. I uh, Labor Day is one of those days that I always think that somebody will like inevitably be like, "Yeah, we're like having a barbecue or something," and then nobody ever does, and then I just get to stay at home all day, like canceled plans, good vibes. And so Labor yeah. Day is oddly a day that's always unexpectedly good for me because I always save it for plans. And then there's not plans, and I love that. That's fantastic. But, um, well, hey, happy Labor Day. Um, to or be, be safe. I don't really know what you do on Labor Day. Don't grill your hands or anything like that. And, uh, Chris, I don't even know if I formally introduced like the show yet. This is Avatar The Last Podcasters. That, that guy down there is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame, and also of Book Review fame. He got sent a free review copy of... The Dawn of Yang Chen novel, which coincidentally is what we're going to be reviewing today. It is going to be a two-parter because we talk a lot. So in this part one this week, we're going to just give the the summary full of spoilers. If you haven't read it yet or you care about spoilers at all, turn it off right now um, and go watch our spoiler-free review. But summary full of spoilers this week. Part two next week. We are going to do just a little ratings, and we'll give our top, I think we settled on three favorite moments. So yeah. uh, part one, summary, part two, top moments and ratings. Chris, do you just, we got a lot of ground to cover. It's a pretty sizable novel. Would you yes, like it to is. jump right. in? Sure. Sorry if that was loud. I didn't mean that to be loud. <laughs> so uh, we'll go. just go in chronological order of the book. And we'll start off with Voices of the Past chapter. We won't go, like, every single chapter, but that's a good place to start. Uh, so, in the first part, Yang Chen is, like, a kid. And her sister, uh, or her daughter, Jessun, is, like, walking around. Not walking. She's racing around trying to find some type of book or something to help give them information on how to ease Yang Chen's kind of screaming, her willing. Um, 
and uh, you kind of get a sense that Yang Chen is not in control of of her past lives. At this point, Yang Chen doesn't even realize that she's the Avatar. I think she's like eight at this point in the book, or ten, somewhere around there. She's not. She might have been eight. But long story short, it's a it's opening that I think that sets the pace for for Yang Chen's head is at. Also, it helps kind of just introduce Jetsun uh, in a sense that it helps, I think, her establish a relationship with uh, Kavik coming up. I'm really glad that you said the name first because I've been debating since we first started reading this book. Kavik. I like that. That's going to stick. We're going to make that the way that we pronounce <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that first chapter? I love it. I do think that that first chapter introduces that they found out that she is the avatar, right? That she was like communicating to past lives. I don't, I agree. I don't know that they actually knew at that time either, but it was a really big hook of an introduction because it's such a, it's pretty stark contrast from any other avatar. Like it's not a problem that we've experienced before. So really nice opening hook. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the next chapter is the first steps. Uh, it also involves Jetsun and just about them meditating into this. Jetsun helping her meditate into the spirit world. Uh, I. So I often try to just pick up. I love picking up just on like little bitty lore stuff. Um, I'm so glad you do this, because I don't. <laughs> Not that I don't enjoy it, I yeah. just literally never grasp it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one little passage that. So Yang Chen has never meditated to the real world before. Jessun is trying to help her. And uh Jessun oh, telling her like say. I did pick this up and I was very proud. Maybe you did. Maybe we're talking about the same thing. Uh she just said like don't have so many expectations of yourself. Like not everyone has the ability to cross between realms. You won't be less or more of an avatar or an aeronomad or a person if it doesn't happen. Um Is is that what you thought I was gonna read? No, I thought this is where they brought in the Guru Guru Lahima, where they referenced him. Is that not in this chapter? I think they did reference him in this chapter. One thing he and also Guru Lahima, I think, is much bigger of a figure than I think I gave him credit for, even from uh, Legend of Korra, because to me, Legend of Korra, he came across as like. Yeah, a great guru, but like, hey, there's dozens of great gurus. Like, <laughs> Lots of gurus. So this one was the first one to fly. Like, all right, congratulations, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, in this book, I think they brought him up a couple different times. And it comes more so across as like, he is like top two of the greatest airbenders, air nomads ever. Maybe the best one. Like, he's the Michael Jordan of air nomads. <laughs> <laughs> Yang Chen, you're just LeBron James. You're just putting up with more hate. Yeah, so here coming in, being, I don't know. Steph, I don't whatever, something like that. I guess Kobe, he was the closest, Kobe was like the closest thing to uh, guess, Jordan that ever, there ever was. I guess that he's older, so my, my comparison was off, you're, you're right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, know, I, I find that interesting because... Also from the Kyoshi novels, that not every avatar is that spiritual. And it's not really like a 
it's not really a indictment on them as an avatar. That just might be their character trait that they're not that spiritual. Like it seems um, more like yeah, like a like a personal trait rather than an avatar trait. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and people who aren't the avatar, some of them are really spiritual, like Iroh. Um, oh man, I really wish I would have made notes in there because there's so many little things I should have. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, they later on mention that like. Oh, when Yang Chen was talking, there's a future chapter where Yang Chen is like in a spirit world, or she's talking about Jetsun because Jetsun had died. She's like, I'm not even sure if Jetsun would even like if she was reincarnated or if she's in a spirit world, like if she was able to transcend and become a spirit. Like that's so unknown. Like she doesn't. It seems so far fetched of an idea, but it's like a more of a more of a a legend that someone might be able to transcend their own reincarnation cycle and and uh, go into preach nirvana and go into and, and become a spirit, which puts Iroh on another level to me. Like we don't that's rare. Like that's like one in Five, maybe every 500 years a person does that. That's that's the way it seemed to come off as. I wonder if he's ever run into any of the other ones up there. So I have a theory that I have a, a theory and I might have spoken about this before that spirits are trying to reach their own like reverse nirvana. <clears throat> if you feel like they're trying to become more physical and one with nature because they're not that way. That's why they're always like, protect this forest, protect that, protect that. And we've, in my proof of this is that Twa and Lee left and became just fishes. <laughs> like they, they just became fish. Stupid choice, and, but I get it. Yeah. Pick like, a better animal. <laughs> um, and, and you know, we have Heibai. Heibai turns into a... Well, that's not a good example. Because he turns into a panda, and pandas don't really exist, probably, as an animal. But he turns into something more physical than... Like, he's like, okay, I want to I try to be uh, a, a, a bad... A, 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 bigot, a, pear, a bear cub, or a bear moose, or bear Whatever beaver. he is. Like, and then... And he was like, ah, oh, crap. I turned into a, a bear that's white and black. I was aiming for, like, a different bear. <laughs> I was hoping for something a little more intimidating at face value. Yeah. What, what, what am I? What, what am I matching this here? this thing that, like, humans take stupid videos of and post on the internet. I'm like, I'm like a polar bear dog mixed with the, another bear. Something Somehow I have, like... <laughs> The most boring avatar animal is a mix of two bears. Yeah. Um, so also, there's the reverse side of that, right? So you have certain spirits, I think, who might have been people at one point, like the Painted Lady. The Painted Lady seems less spirity, and she seems... She like, basically seemed like a ghost. She, like maybe, Yeah, she seemed like a ghost. Like she, Maybe she actually was just a physical person, and she eventually transcended... Like she was so maybe attached to protecting that place that she became a spirit and was protecting that village. Um, then we also have Yue who became 
a, a spirit through much different means in Iroh. Um, but I think there is some type of transition that that both try to become the others. Not sure how I got off on that tangent. Um, but yeah. I uh, no, I like the idea, and I like the idea that that transcendence is less of a switch to be flipped and more of like a muscle that's exercised over time. Like you don't just transcend one day and then you're now you're the painted lady, the spirit instead of the person in the spirit world, but that it's like, it's a process. I kind of like that thought. Yep. Oh, there was a a sentence in in this first one uh, that I really liked because I think it's life advice. I should, um, take that anyway. Uh, so Yanchen was able to go into the out. Not that Yanchen was able to meditate into the spirit world, and um, uh, says, "Huh?" Just soon said in one of the classic understatements. First try, good job. Yanchen wanted to laugh and leap a mile into the air, but she would maintain a cool head, just like her guide. Maybe I only remembered how. Meaning that she used a past life. Like maybe she she was being humble. A certain sense, and Jesu replies, "Humility isn't more important than the truth." I think you pulled this off yourself. Like I think I'm too humble of a person. Like, which sounds like a brag. Like I'm so humble. <laughs> I'm and, the and most that, humble, actually. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, songs from well, not one of. I have a bunch of favorite songs from Lonely Island. Is I'm so humble. It's a gem. I'm so humble. So. Bar none, I'm the something humblest. I just anyway. like the phrase by itself. I'm the most humble. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of describe the spirit world, which is really interesting. Jetsu says, "So uh, Yangchen asks, what do we do now? Since they both meditate spirit world, and Jetsu says, that's the beauty of it. We don't do anything. There is no use to the spirit world. Therein lies the great lesson. Here you don't take." You don't anticipate or plan. You don't struggle. You don't worry about value gained and loss. You just exist like a spirit. Uh, which I think is really interesting about the spirit world. It's so different than the physical world. I don't think I would do very well there. <laughs> okay, but I have all this anxiety. What do I do with that? <laughs> does that stay in the uh, physical world or does that come with me? Yeah. In this chapter, oh, anything uh, else you want to talk about from that? Not from that moment, no. Holy crap, that was 12 freaking pages in. Sean, we have another 300 or so to go. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we won't be long, because I got like actual work to do, I think. We won't, we won't go uh, chapter by chapter. Maybe that's... Yeah. So in this chapter, introduce us to the comic, and this was probably, like I think, the most... Confused, or this is the chapter I had the hardest time following. I had a really hard time visualizing it. Yeah, I did too. Like, it was just, it was, I don't know, it was just, I, yeah, like, I just had a hard time reading the words and putting it in my brain. We'll discuss maybe a little more in our next episode, but we both have expressed feelings of occasionally the author's writing style not being conducive to to painting a good picture of like action, action heavy or movement heavy scenes. 
Yeah. Uh, so this is pretty much the, the chapter where he broke into the Avatar's uh, room. They're in some Earth Kingdom village. I forgot which one it was. But he broke into the room because that's his job. He's like a thief. He steals information. And uh, and then he realizes that he's <laughs> he's crossed the Avatar. Um, I do like how they first describe Yang Chen here because they... Oh, just this one, I feel like they paint the picture really well. Um, of the character herself, sure. The the scene at large. More yeah. of a struggle. Anyway, I can't find that exact passage, but... He does a great job then, with with character portrayal. Yes, in, yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Um. So then all of... So her guards and stuff come in, and she's like, uh, "Just let him go. Uh, take him to the. Make sure he's not harmed. Take him to this like imprisonment thing." Um, and then they like beat the crap out of him uh, on the way there. And then this is like Yang Chen's. I think her first time we see her being like Avatar. Yeah, sure. She's being like. Yeah, how tired is the word? She has them all fired for disobeying her order of being nice to the per- uh, nice to him. Um, and again, I one of the things I love about this book is the what comes with the station of being the Avatar, like how much uh, how much political power there is, how much honor there is. Like she says to them, none of you are eligible for employment for security in the Avatar's retinue anymore. Like that is a mark on your honor and your record that you were fired by the Avatar. You just about get convicted of a felony and put that on your resume because you're in trouble now. I mean, the job market shrunk for you all because you got anger mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. Uh, which. So Game of Thrones is back. Have you been watching the first two episodes of House of the Dragon? Um, I haven't yet. I was gonna save it for like a uh, Saturday when I wake up way before football starts. Okay, uh, I'm loving it so is... far. Like I didn't know how much I miss Game of Thrones. Like, uh, for some, they just too. We got all these throwbacks happening all at once. Yeah, I'm not excited for that. Like, I need to well, rewatch. I'm not, I gotta be honest, I'm not excited for either, but I'm gonna watch both, and I hope I'm wrong, you know? But I'm not... I, I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy maybe eight years ago. Maybe longer than that. Um, and I was, was like, whatever, those are movies. But, like, they didn't do anything for me, but this was like, I don't know, I have a different appreciation for some films now than I did before. So I need to rewatch them, but I don't think I can get outside or even really want to watch Ring of Power. Like I knew like, sure, the last Game of Thrones left like a baptism up. I was like, I'm going to watch it though. Um, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch Lord of the Rings all day. And so I'm excited for the Rings of Power in the sense that it's Lord of the Rings content, but I'm not excited Mm -hmm. in that I know that we're just talking about more book to film adaptations that are going to be done awkwardly but i'm still excited for it in the sense that yeah i'm gonna watch it and uh same with house of dragon like i'm gonna i'm excited for more game of thrones content and what i've heard is good so far like your your comment there and like other facebook comments vague but good 
Yeah. Yep. No. Oh, my point was is that in Game of Thrones, there's so many, so much like positioning, and people are playing the Game of Thrones, right? It's like like someone has to hire someone on the King's Guard, and one person's like, "Oh well, how are you? You're the best, clearly the best candidate." And then that person advising was like, "Well, you should might consider that the families here of these other candidates might." be powerful you might need to have them on your side like like there's so much of that like there's so much honor in certain positions and duties that you do that it makes a difference to people's perception of you when you uh, either don't get it or you do get it um and i, I don't know i appreciate that there was not there was none of that in either of the shows and there was a lot of there's a lot of that in in uh, in Kill novels. I feel like there's more of that Game of Thrones in in uh, in this novel. That kind of power structure is the crux of this novel for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh. Anyway, um. So then they meet, and then <laughs> so they meet, and uh. Yang Shen heals him and lets him go, and then she uh, straight up gives him money. Yeah, that's right. She gives him yeah some whole money, uh, and then he goes back home, <laughs> and then he makes sure he wasn't followed. And he talks to his parents and stuff, um, which is fine. And then, <laughs> which I love, um, his he's at home. He's talked to his parents and stuff, and then. Uh, there's like a knock at the door. <laughs> uh, it's just Yang Chen. And then she like gets in there and she's talking to his parents and stuff. And she's just like lying through her teeth on him saying like good stuff about him. Not that he was in her room stealing stuff. Like she is, she's playing the game with them. Like she is essentially blackmailing she got him. cornered, yeah. Yeah. Yangshin is just so... She's so crafty. And I know, like... That's, that's kind like, of part of the story of, like, is she... Should she be this manipulative as an avatar? as a, Especially as an air nomad avatar? And she's kind of just like, I'm not above this. Like, I I'm, I have... People are dumb and they don't listen. I have to position them in certain places to get what's needed. What is What is best? Yeah, that's that's probably on a spectrum uh, of of like avatar duties to air nomad duties, where like Aang's at the far end, she's kind of at the other end. Yeah, avatar before Airbender, man. Yeah, definitely. Although we didn't get to, I was looking forward to her really pushing that bounds, and I hope the Nets books has her making decisions that would uh, question her air nobility. I think um, it will. I think much. we're going to get some of that in the next I want, novel. I think, so. I think that's a good novel to get it in. Pretty much, I want to kill somebody. Yeah, me too. Let's be honest. Or, or at least or at least do the Batman thing of, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Because that would also... Air Nomads would also be like, you should have saved him. And she'd be like, like the old monks and stuff. Right. Yeah. Nah. 
Uh, which, yeah, like, like, like I said, I do think we might get to that point because they have the weapons of mass destruction, um, which at this point, I don't think they know how to handle that well. Also, not the last time Batman's going to come up in this conversation. Probably. Right. Oh, no, not probably. Like, I I'm, I got it. I'm ready. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I don't, I'm curious to see what it is. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's funny. At one point, so they're talking privately. And, and Kavik's saying, like, you follow me? He, he was so sure he'd been careful. And then she's like, I did. And she raised a finger. Most people forget to look up. Like, it's, to me, it's so funny. Yang Chen is hilarious to me. She definitely has the snarkiest sense of humor of any avatar we've come across. Well, like, it's kind of Korra-like, I suppose. Yeah. That's it. It's... Yeah. Uh, and then by the end of it, uh, <laughs> she says to Kavik, like, everyone you meet and Ben Ur is in someone else's pocket. From the moment you appeared, I was trying to figure out whose pocket you were in. Now I finally have the answer. <laughs> the way it's written. A fresh slash of grin spread across her face. Mine. Now you're in mine. <laughs> like, she <laughs> she manipulated him and pretty much black, blackmailed him, like I said before. So funny. Um, And just the writing, like the dialogue, it does a really nice job of painting the type of character we're getting with Yang Chin. Like, we don't know her that well. We're, we're only like what three chapters in here but you feel comfortable with her already you feel like you got a really good sense of who she's gonna be yeah uh <laughs> so then she pretty much proposes to him uh that um hey work for me like i need someone to get in um to kind of overtly sneak into these organizations report back to me like, you know, and he's like, why would I do that? And then, so this starts off their relationship as being very transactional. And, uh, and, I, and I like where it went. This is a good place to start with their relationship. Because it's very much like, I own you, and I need you to do this. Uh, well, actually, I mean, Yang Chen didn't really say, like, I own you. Like, she wasn't like... It's more of a, you work for me uh, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she told him, I like, think about it, you know. It was a uh, indentured servitude. Yeah. Well. Oh, I think. Oh, well. And her, what she was giving him was that she can get him and his parents out of out of the the city um, to like better places. Um, but anyway, and then he ends with "I hate you." He muttered, and I'll let you sleep on it. Which, again, and we'll we'll get to this. I I like that their relationship started off very transactional and antagonistic. Um, and the the way that they left off. Never mind. I'll get back to. It. I'm sure I'll be able to keep my train of thought when I get to it. Um, all right. So that takes us to the next part. Uh, pretty much what happens all in this part I feel like oh so this is the part where she was being introduced 
to to, the, to like the organization, right? Like uh-huh. she's traveling with she's traveling with different people, traveling with uh, this guy named Boma who seems to be all up in her face about stuff. Uh, no, that's Sadal. Sadal's the one who's like was yeah, hired he's on. He's the DB. Boma's the good one. Yes, yes. Uh, Sadal's the one who's kind of hired on and stuff. And this was kind of hard to follow. I, don't, I didn't get that sense of him until later on in the chapter where he's like sort of the go-between between Yang Chen and uh, the like the head shady people. And it seemed like he was more so in favor of them and trying to like um, trying I think, to I guess be little her. All and all, I think all they're trying to translate for the most part there is that like Yang Chen knows that, and so it's like if they don't know that I know that they know that he's uh, really just spying on me for them or whatever. But I think they're just trying to paint the picture of like, yeah, he's party avatar, uh, part of team avatar, and she knows that she's essentially having her information and plans fed to the the organization at Benner. Yep. So then they kind of mention this issue that went along, the Platinum Affair. Um, I think this is when they were talking to... Yeah, yeah. So they're talking to, like, Henshi. Oh, Henshi... Need to mention him because he's like probably the main antagonist. He's kind of this come coming, come up and come up and coming. <laughs> he's kind of the up and coming uh, leader of of this group of of trade. And this this group of trade isn't like shady shady, but they're on the out in public. They don't seem that shady. It's like hey, they they do transactions and trades. They're just between like, the different nations. They're just a bunch of crooked politicians. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because on all this is because there was some big, huge issue called the Platinum Affair, and there was a huge issue between the Fire Lord and the Water Tribes because um, they were backing this other king-to-be, and then the Earth King found out about that and probably had that guy killed. And Earth King has kind of been stopped all trade between those countries. But then they sort of just started sneakily back up trading again. And so really through through the I forget what they call this group of people. Do you remember what they call them? Which is it's been a month since I read this. I no, think. I don't remember uh, the name that they give them specifically. Shangs? They're not the Shangs. The Shang is Henshi himself. Right? Uh, I think so. The Shangs the Shang, yeah, I think it's the Shang, yeah. Okay. Because the Shang cities are stable, balanced, and self-sufficient. So yeah, yeah, the Shangs. Um. So what's really I find interesting also is like Yang Chance were in the shadow of Avatar Zeto, because uh, as she's talking with them, they mention like, oh, Avatar Zeto would have loved our system and stuff. It's, it's like you're probably not. Like Avatar Zeto was all about. Uh, infrastructure and stuff. Boring guy. It's but. lame avatar. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they talk about the system and stuff and the kind of history with it. And then Yang Chen's main goal is like, hey, you people. She's trying to inspire them 
being like, you guys can make the changes to really help people in need. Like, you guys are in power, and they're kind of just blowing her off. Like, uh, they're just like, ew, poor people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so she's she's like trying to come trying to get that across to them and everything, and she was not being listened to. Um, she's like, hey, I have plans based on successful policies from the archives on my shoe that I'd be more than happy to share. Also be uh, erroneous to any of you in the least. And then the woman who's to stops her is, um, ah, dang it, I forgot her name, but um, <laughs> she says, uh, <laughs> she says, is there a spirit in the room with us? And Yang Chen Blinked, I don't understand the question, mistress. Noe, the name was delivered with a quick... Oh, her name is Noe. No, no high? Probably no high. Um, I'm going to defer to your best judgment. I sure. said Noe in my oh. head when I was reading it. <laughs> uh, she pretty much belittled Yang Champion, like, listen, this stuff ain't got nothing to do with spirits, which is your expertise. Like, just... Just, just let us deal with it. Like, we're going to... Uh, just ignore you. Like, See, I'd be a bad you. avatar because I probably just like maybe accidentally hurt that person right there. <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah. I would make then, a, a wise avatar. It's really interesting thinking about like how different avatars would handle things differently. Because Kyoshi would have been like, "No, you listen here, you little crap face. <laughs> this is what's gonna happen." You listen here, like, and I shit. know this. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Right. And I know it's because Kyoshi has done that to the Earth King. <laughs> like, like these people are, like, not that important, honestly, you... compared to, like, the Earth King and heads of states. Like, they, they're, like, the heads of, like, an operation. They are important, but Kyoshi said once an Earth King held her fan in his face and said, <laughs> like, no, the first thing he said was, like you're, she went to him because he was not taking care of his citizens and things like that. Uh, there was like a an upheaval or an uprising that was about to happen, and then he pretty much told her, "It was like, listen, you're a citizen of the Earth Kingdom. Like, how dare you come in here and treat your Earth King this way?" And she's like, "How dare you treat your Avatar this way?" She points her fan in his face. <laughs> like she could kill the main point, yeah, she's... and then she pretty much. She straight she up pretty much forced him to, <laughs> to on threat of his own meaningless life. Yeah, I uh, oh, do you? I forget, Chris. Do you watch Rick and Morty? I do not. Um, it's a pretty popular like TikTok sound, and Morty is the kid basically trying to tell Grandpa, and he's like, "Let me tell you how this is gonna work," and like his little puberty voice, and then Grandpa goes <laughs> like, "You ain't gonna tell me shit." <laughs> And that's what I thought uh, of when I was reading it. Different avatars would have handled this differently. It's interesting. I think, right? Like, imagine each avatar going through a situation of like, hey, I got this plan. I really worked on it. And I got to present it to all these people because these people need help. Like, uh, these citizens need help. And I know how to do it. Like, Yang Chen does what she does. Well, we'll get to her, what she does for this and that's part. Aang would have been like, Okay, you might you know you might really want to like reconsider this. Like, this ramification of these things. Cora would have been like, ah, whatever, f you, and she would have just gone away, rejected. 
Yoshi would have been like, no. F you, you're doing this. Roku probably would have been like... He would have been diplomatic. He would have been diplomatic. Like, we'll see how this ends, but trust me. If... (laughs) Roku would have let worse things happen. But trust me, if you don't kill me immediately, you're going to regret it. And then he leaves, and he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Joe Grogan, like, I will, I will return in, in four years. <laughs> and if this matter <laughs> has not been addressed, then you will meet a permanent demise. Like, he would have been diplomatic in a sense, but I think he would have left me away. He's Yoshi, like the parking uh, ticket avatar. He's going to slap on the wrist. Yeah. Uh, but Yang Chen handles it. So, uh, Nohai says, you don't have any power here, Avatar. You simply don't. And then Yang Chen, like, she's kind of embarrassed. See, I would have just lost point. my... I, listen, I'm not saying I'd be as good at Avatar as Kyoshi physically, but I would have, like, lost my shit and just, like, blew the roof off the house. That's a Kyoshi. That's a Kyoshi. I mean, Yang Chen. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. Um... <laughs> Oh man, like just and just the way he reads, he writes her here. I think is really good. Like, like she looked around, even though she knew the search for help would be a flaring signal of her defeat. Alma couldn't meet her eyes. He'd been previous to all her businesses so far as the Avatar, but her guardian was out of his depth here. Uh, what Noe said wasn't a slight to her office; it was a simple fact. Um, and was, I just like. Everyone is tiptoeing around this because everyone has to save face, sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is a line also where, like, all right, Sadao is like, it was like Sadao probably should have said something to preserve the dignity of the Avatar hood itself. Just to, like, um, pretend that he was trying to do his job. Yeah, but it's like he was caught between his money and his duty. It was actually Hinchi who was like, Avatar, your wisdom is much appreciated. Uh, we will meditate upon your advice and seek to incorporate into our lives. Like that's kind of just like the oh, thank you. We'll consider it. Thank you. We put a lot of thought into it, but then no, we're not going to do it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and then Yang Chen was probably like, "Screw it, I'm I'm going to go all in here." <laughs> she says. Um, so at first she, at first I feel like she's kind of groveling like surely you can see the long term benefit like this will help out uh, the people of your country uh, country. the spirits will smile upon those who take care of their neighbors and then they started getting like I feel like way too like uppity uh, Yang and Shen like <laughs> I said the Shang's in the room not just uh, so they're just kind of getting uppity like they're trading blows to blow with the avatar Sort of in a, not in a fight, but in a, like a political squabble. And then like they're just kind of keep putting, keep deflecting her, like, and they're even laughing at her to a certain point. Um, like and Kyoshi's just not Kyoshi. Nation just keeps on like pleading to them in a sense. And then one guy says, uh, "Our duty is to manage the flow of trade between the four nations." Oh, Tian. Uh, not to throw bones at every barking animal in the street. As long as the Earth King Kishan gets his portion of the revenues, he doesn't care how we manage our business. And then eventually they're just like 
He's just like, your vice has been heard. I think we're done here. And like, that is just like, like you're disrespecting her. Like at this point, you know, before I was reading it, I was expecting her to go full Kyoshi. Um, and then she and she pretty much blackmails him also. Like she stood up and said, the Earth King cares about being cheated, cares about treason. And like, I don't even have to read the 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 descriptions here. I just know once you say treason, you're like, oh crap. Wait, the Avatar is saying that we might be treasonous to the Earth King. The Earth King will will like hold her opinion in high regard. She's finally speaking in our language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she goes off on them. Like <laughs> they're like, you got you don't have any evidence of this. And then, <laughs> and then she just goes off and says, like, pretty much lays it all out to him. Like, just like, according to your latest charters, the shanks of the city are allowed to move cargo with 28 specific authorized grand jobs. Anyway, I won't read it at all, but uh, I'll get to a certain point. Now, she talks about them bribing. Um, she talks about how their returns must be very significant and not shared with the Earth King. The Earth King doesn't know about how much revenue they're bringing in. <laughs> pretty much and uh and how like some ships are unaccounted for and like people just stop laughing because they're laughing at her before <laughs> I just like how she words these things she's like if there was if there is an excess of money in the city perhaps it's only a rounding era and can be reconciled by directing the funds more charitable efforts Sometime before I net speed to the Earth King. <laughs> like she is good at playing the Game of Thrones. Like So to me this <laughs> and then yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you keep going. This is uh this is where my Batman comes in comparison comes in. This is like the business minded Batman up top uh Bruce Wayne up top and then the next the next chapter is Batman. Hmm. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then pretty much uh, Hinshi, who speaks on behalf of the Shangs, was like, thank you, Avatar. I'm sure a reconciliation can be achieved. Like, the tone is different. Uh, <laughs> so she pretty much put them all in their place. And, uh, yeah, so next chapter is kind of just like the aftermath of that. That was like a pretty big scene. And and they kind of just all get in their bearings together. Uh, and she he's and this when he's talking to Yang Chen after this, he comes across somewhat as like a good in between, as if he has good intentions, but she probably she still doesn't isn't like that trusting of him. Uh oh, also ancient. So she had a conversation with with Hinchy, and then she went all covert and like had someone kind of pretend to be her, and then she snuck back in to listen to them talk about her behind her back, which is ah just yeah straight up using her. like crawling through some old ventilation. Yeah, with, I keep wanting to say Boma, but that's the <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. What's the guy's name? Is it Boma? It is not Boma. Boma, but it's Boma, like B O M A. Boma, got it. Um, 
yes, and the way that she uses him in disguise to uh, make it look like she's leaving. Yep, yep. Uh, anyway, they all have a talk. Uh, Yang Chen is, has overheard like all their conversations. So now she knows where she sits at with all of them. She knows she can't trust. Uh, she can't trust Sadao, her companion, and she can't trust Hinchi, who came across a little bit more fair. And uh, yeah, she can't trust nobody. Okay. Uh, so then we catch back up with Kavik, which is probably a boring chapter to me because I don't really remember a lot of that that happened. Uh, oh, he had a conversation with this other guy named um, Kiyu, which, which is Kiyu. It does the same job as Kavik, which is like an information runner or thief, and uh, but he he's gotten out the game. And those two just catch up, and it kind of introduces us to like more, a little bit more information on uh, Kalon. Uh, okay. And then there's a, let's see, next chapter, Reading Leaves. And that one. Sorry, I'm a little, I kind of forget what happens. I know at one point he, okay, so they, they kind of just talk. Um. And they go to like some place and talk. Anyway, the next chapter, which I think is a really good chapter, is the Northern Air Temple. Uh, Yang Chen takes Kavik to Northern Air Temple, and people, you know, they come across like refugees who are leaving the Earth Kingdom cities to go up to the uh, Air Temples, and a lot of them are like just dying there. Um, and they come across like this lady who's like dying and they both heal her which I think is a really good moment. I think it really makes Havik believe in Yang Chen. Like it turns what he's doing into a um, from a transactional point of view from a he gets something out of point of view to more of a noble cause. Uh, this is a great. Uh, this is a great Yang Chen chapter, like character wise, when you're getting her out of her Game of Thronesy ness avatarness yes. and putting her in, you know, Yang Chen shoes. And it yep. feels like the first chapter where you really got to see that side of, uh, yeah, that side of her current age character. Yeah. Also, I love that Yang Chen is really a really good healer. Like, sure, she's not a born water tribe avatar, but she is really great at healing people, uh, which I think fits her character a lot. Like Aang, you know, Aang is not a healer. He can't heal. Uh, Korra can. Uh, we don't see Korra healing, I think, enough. Um, but not probably not her strongest suit. Yeah, I mean, she's good. She, we, you know, she can heal Bolin. She healed Bolin a couple different times, and she's healed herself. Some, but so there's some really just good thought. And imagery behind maybe it's very it's very Jesus Christ like in my head like reaching down and healing the sick being like you know the Avatar is the Messiah of this universe and sometimes it's not about like 
defeating the ultimate evil. It's just about reaching down to the normal everyday person and locking in on them and healing them with your great power. Something something to be said about that. Uh, oh, but it ends on like the sourest of notes. Because he, she heals the lady and she's like, oh, you're the avatar. Like, and then she's like, where's my son? And she's like, oh, crap. We, we, we. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah. And like, Yang Chen is like 99.5% sure her son is dead. And, but, you know, they still send people out. Someone sent someone out to look, but she's kind of like, man, we failed. We failed her. Uh, okay. What was going to happen? So, Sean, how long have we been recording now? Probably 45 uh, a minutes. A long time. 53 minutes. Holy crap. All right. Oh. <laughs> um, I'll try to get there a little bit faster. <laughs> uh,. So then I feel like at this point, after after they have, um, after they talk at the air temple, at that point, I think they kind of just split up. Like, how it goes in into employment with uh, Shang from another city. She um, like, yeah, she transports him there and then at some point kind of kicks him off the boat and or off the uh, off the sky bison down the water, he gets picked up by a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he gets in the city by getting his face busted in, and so that he resembles somebody else. And then he winds up at this. Uh, is it an inn? Yes, yeah, it's an inn ran by uh, two of uh, Yang Chen's kind of secret offices. supporters. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's ran by a gay couple, so that that's fun representation in kind of an unexpected place. Um, yeah, I thought was one was one missing an arm. One was I missing think. an arm because they both originated in like I don't know, like water tribe guard of some type, some important type. I don't mm-hmm. remember the details. But then that leaves us. Yeah, that <laughs> leaves us at the point where. Kavik is is at this inn, kind of waiting on his next assignment from Ying Jin. Like he's in place for the next thing. Yeah, um, there is one nice little moment I think before they leave, where uh, her lemurs meet Kavik for the first time, and he <laughs> he he's like so scared of him. He tries to throw one out. <laughs> he throws one out of the window. And then he, and then at one point, uh, they he sees them fly. He's like, "Those things can fly," and she's like, "You dropped my lemur out of the tower without knowing it could survive the fall." That was excellent. Also, yeah. uh, when he looks out and sees, you know, the otherwise like confident and cool Yang Chin sort of going through her self-deprecating beat-up on the airball field. Mm-hmm. That was yes. very relatable. Yeah, yeah really good moment. Um, yeah, that, that, that whole ch- chapter, I, I don't even want to say chapter because I don't pay as much attention to chapters as you do, but that honestly, whole the chapters, subsection of story 
is is a really great Yang Chen piece. I think there's too many chapters. There are. There's too many, (laughs) like, like, three-page chapters, and I don't... That's not my jam. Just make these things one chapter. Yep. Agreed. I don't need to break this up. That's very common in young adult novels these days, though, unfortunately. Is it? Okay. It is. Um... Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so then he tries to indoctrinate himself into uh, that group. He meets this really weird guy. I forget his name. Firebender <laughs> fella. Uh, yes, but he's not a firebender. He's he's from Fire, Fire Nation. Nation. Pardon me. Yeah, Fire Nation guy. That's really good at just like knives being and stuff. <laughs> yes, he's Gambit. With knives, yeah, he came off. He came off really creepy. Yep. Yes, he did. Uh, also a bit of a poor loser. Yes. Yeah. He had a fight that to kind of get in on in a deal, and then <laughs> and then he just ended up, I think, breaking like the arm of the guy, uh huh, or stabbing him in the arm, or one of the two. But um, you're supposed to get a sense that he. I don't know if you're supposed to get the sense that this one you meet him, but I was thinking that he was like part of the Eugen Archers, or he was actually. I don't think you get that sense until later, in it that he that he is part of the Yuyan Archers. Um. So a lot of this. There's kind of this middle part here, which I feel like didn't have that much involved with Yang Chen. Uh, um, there was a fair part... amount of waiting, other than just Yang Chen visiting this other, this other Shang, trying to find out information about this uh, weapon of mass destruction. Yes. Oh yes, we forgot what was it. Oh, uh, you. Oh my gosh! For some reason, this word was killing me. Unanimity? No. Unanimity. Ooh. Unanimity. Unanimity. And uh, Unanimity. the only reason I know that is because of the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh card. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so Kyoshi, the main... Wait, didn't get to. Yu-Gi-Oh card? When Kyoshi... Yeah, I think it was a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah, not Kyoshi. When Yang Chen was listening in on them, they had mentioned, like, hey, we the thing will solve our problems uh, is unanimity. <laughs> like, it, we'll, we'll have the avatar... She won't be able to do anything. The Fire Lord won't be able to do anything. Not Fire Lord. The Earth King won't be able to do anything. And so she has to figure out what the heck is uh, unanimity. And that was like kind of the main reason that she brought in Havoc. Um, so, uh, um, there was, so a lot of, a lot of this book, I feel like it's just Kavik breaking in, trying to get in to, to the group. Um, so he was able to get in and, oh yeah, he figured out that that QU guy was killed, um, What's his name? Noe. Noe thought that Kyu guy was working for Yang Chen, and so she had him killed, which then made it easier for Kavik to uh, to hide in there and 
get in because Noe thought that she had successfully outed Yangchain's spies. That was kind of a cool moment, too. It made you think that they already had him found out. That's pretty yeah, interesting. No, yeah, that was good. Uh, but so anyway, there's a good point in this book where Kavik is just going through it, trying to to play both sides. He ends up uh, finding these people on the ship. Like he didn't know what was going on. He ended up like they end up getting in fights with like these Earth Kingdom people who work in his factory, and he ended up having to like destroy. All of these ships, not ships, all these materials and goods on the ship, like half of it. Uh, but that was the only way that like this crew was able to get out. And and, uh, and that was good. I think that was a good fight. I think I followed that fight pretty well and understood everything that was happening. I struggled with that one. I struggled with it. Felt like it felt like there's a big skip of like you you see what Kavik it tries to describe. Kavik, you know, like seeing something or seeing his opening, and then it feels like it skipped it actually happened. Just like, oh, then the aftermath of this thing that he did. I had a little trouble with that one, with that action sequence. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so then he he's either going to be like killed for for damaging 50% of the items or he's going to be held a hero for saving 50% of the items and also the crew and the mission and stuff like that. And he's not sure where he's going to end up at. They take him to a place and it turns out that uh, his brother who was going missing is the one who is leading kind of the go-to person and he's working with Henshi. Um, what do you feel about this twist? Um, I... I don't want to say I predicted it because I didn't, but it, was, it felt very obvious that his brother was going to come back in some kind of twist, so I wasn't predicting it in the moment that I read it. Uh, but after it happens, like, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh-huh. It feels yeah, I was fortuitous predi- that he was able to work his way up through the ranks so quickly. Mm. Yeah, I was uh, pretty sure his brother would come into play. Uh, and then at one point I was on Twitter and one person just wrote, and this was pretty non-spoiler with her Twitter tweet. I was just like, Kavik and his brother remind me of Amon and, and, uh, her Tarlock. And then I thought to myself, Oh, well, there'll be more here. It felt <laughs> like, like his brother was going like... to play. It felt like his brother was going to play this, you know, like Jetsun, the spirit world thing, and they kind of did that with Kiyoshi of those alluding to the spirit world. Like, that's that was like a next book thing. But it felt like Kavik's brother was going to be a this book thing mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. the whole time. So, yeah. I, I mean, I no opposed to it or anything, feel, but whatever. I don't know how I feel about the... To me, to me I don't care about twists at all. To me, you could have just said... Like you could have told me up front that his brother was working for someone, and it wouldn't even change my thought of the story. Really, I don't know, I'm just nothing on the twist. Um, yeah, it it's sort of a non-factor as an entertainment piece. Yeah. Uh, anyway, his brother is like, "Listen, work for me. Like, I know you're working for the Avatar, but 
here's how here's how we're gonna do it. <laughs> and then Tyler pretty much just does exactly what his brother asked him to do because that's his big brother and it seems like he just always knows what's best and he knows how to plan. He knows how to play the game of thrones. Like he knows how to give the avatar what she wants <laughs> and still get what he wants. He's got he's playing with his own big picture in mind. Yeah. Um and then so on the other part of the Yang Chen story, which felt more like a side story almost. Um, she had to go to this one village that she went to before, and she was telling them, telling them, hey, spirits, yeah, I'm going to butcher the story. Essentially, you guys stop doing this, or the spirits continue to like take your people. And, uh, and, um, and they, they agreed at first, and they didn't listen because of money, of course. And she got really pissed off at them. Which was like, really, I think that was a really cool scene. Just how pissed off she was at them. Um, but it felt, that story felt like a little too side missiony. Like, it didn't seem like it had that much of an amp. It seemed more like a detour for her, not to catch up with Kavik, and that put him in more trouble. It felt more like a plot convenience. I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. But it seemed like that was the point of that. It was just a distraction, or like a red herring. Yeah. Agreed. But I still, like I said, I still liked it, though. Like, she went into, I think, a lot of stuff just about her role as the Avatar. Um, I think she, she ended up having to go back to the spirit world create a new deal with the spirits. Um, and like, it was such like a, a harsh deal for them, but it was better than nothing. I forget what it was. I think it was like they had to, ah, I forget what the deal was. Um, let's see. Oh well, I don't remember what it was, but that was a good chapter. Sorry, <laughs> that made that doesn't make it seem. I sounded way more negative on that than I probably uh, meant to, but you know, it is what it is. So she catches back up with um, Pavic after that ordeal, but she also realizes that she can't trust uh, Noe, which their initial meeting made it seem like they might be able to work stuff out, but Yang Chen's like, I can't trust her either. Um, and uh, when does she get back with Havik? Like she she meets back up. She um, meets back up with him before unanimity goes off. He gets back to the inn somehow, right? Basically survives, and then yeah, she's because he has because he has his whole story together, and he tells that story to right. Um, he sells the story. Kyoshi, not Kyoshi. I don't know why I keep saying Kyoshi. Yang Chen makes something that she believes in stuff because uh, unanimity is causing destruction and stuff, and they all have to stop it. 
right, so the big thing, the big weapon of mass destruction, Sean, unanimity. It's three combustion benders. Which are you satisfied with that? Uh, I will say that I loved the moment when they hit the shores of Benner and Kavik realized that it was three firebenders. Right? Mm-hmm. I love that moment. Yeah. I love that whole distraction. That was a really cool reveal. I don't love that their weapon of mass destruction is three firebenders. I think that's dumb. <laughs> I, think I think it's dumb. But the more you get into it and the more you read the and this is going to kind of be like a prelude to my review and ratings as a whole. I like what it does for the lore of the franchise as we know it. Like I like what it does for the origin of combustion benders um, and the history there than what it gives to this actual story, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let's, I, I was disappointed. I was because uh, when I when I read the synopsis, it was like weapon of mass destruction. I'm just like, what the heck could that be? We've seen weapons of mass destruction in Avatar, whether it's Sozin's comet giving Firebenders ten times power, they can pretty much just wipe the world, wipe a continent, a whole civilization off. We've seen Kuvira's mech suit, which is like a literal weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> like it's a nuke. <laughs> I, uh, I'll tell you what I was gonna, what I thought it was gonna be, which is way stupider. If that helps it seem better, is I was low key <laughs> hoping it would be a dragon, right? Ooh. Like I just like which, but then like none of the other stuff made it's like how the hell are you gonna get a dragon in a warehouse and transport him on like. None of the other stuff made sense in the farther and farther I was like, Sean, that's a stupid idea. But then they did have me with the crate. I was like, what the hell is in that crate? Uh, so anyway, my idea was way dumber. But, you know, I like dragons, so it's obviously where my mind went. Now, I will say this. I think we are looking at it through the lens of someone who's seen two shows with combustion benders. And they both have been, like, very, very powerful, but, like, enough to deal with. Like, Zuko beat Combustion Man by... Wait, no, not Zuko. I'm sorry. Sokka beat Combustion Man by hitting him in the head with a boomerang. Like, I mean, Um, it's really cool, but functionally, isn't it really just adding sort of range and extra, like, magnitude to firebending? Isn't that what it boils down to? I mean, it's it's more like to me it's more powerful. Yeah, like, like range that and, is, range and magnitude, right? I can get it farther yeah, and so, I can yes. do it bigger. Yes. Yes. And I can direct yeah. And you don't really see it. Like it's Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think of that. Like it's sort of a spontaneous combustion feel to it. Um But and so like from that lens and we saw, you know, Pali is like the greatest one. She can direct it turn it curve the yeah, bullet she goes, if like, you will. Wanted on that thing yeah which by the way just yeah. watched like two weeks ago not a good movie i love wanted sean what are you talking it's about? not a good movie <laughs> <laughs> one time i was watching it and for some reason it's an inside joke with friends in college one time i was watching it with friends in college and uh and this is a scene where he's <laughs> where he's in the train and it's 
his dad is there. He shoots the the train's tilted over. Mm-hmm. He shoots the the window out, and he's like air surfing, but he's on his dad. And I was watching with my friends, and and like my friends is like two girls and, and guy. Um, now for some reason I just start singing like air surfing with my dead dad. We do things together even though he's dead. My dad, like, he's dad. like surf. My dad, dad. Like he's like legit surfing on his dead dad that he just met. It's uncomfortable, that's for sure. Um, but I love, I love wanted. I'm glad that wanted makes you happy. When you're happy, I'm happy. Um, the oh, combustion bedding. But so we're looking at through it through that lens. Now, when you're looking at through it through the lens of like a story that takes place 500 years before, where where all these sub bending things aren't as widely known or available, probably barely known. Um, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and so a combustion bender's like we don't know what the heck this thing. We don't know the limits of it. We don't know uh, how it works. We don't know anything about it. Like, we don't know how to stop it. And there's three of them. We got to stop three of these people. Like, holy crap! Like, what? So I get it from that standpoint. Um, I think I was just trying to. I think I was just expecting something new and different. I was expecting I love something how... physically bigger. Something about yeah, three it... regular regular people just didn't hit hit it for me. But the thing is, like, I think to myself, do I think? That, I mean, Aang even wasn't able. Like the first time Aang fought Kabunsha Man, he was just—he he pretty much lost that fight. Like he had to run away. Um, and when they fought him again, it was like, oh, we barely got away from him. Like, and this is Aang, who is—and this is Aang, Toph, and Katara. Like, so maybe I'm not giving Kabunsha Bending enough credit. Uh, just, it but just for some reason, in my head, that, it didn't have that spice value that you're looking for because it's been built up since the like since the preview, right? They're talking about yeah. in the preview of the story two years ago. We're hearing about a weapon of mass destruction, and you just get a lot of ideas in your head, maybe about what it could and shouldn't be. And what I was picturing was was bigger. Yeah. And I do like that he he seems to be introducing. The first instances of these sub bending things in these novels, like in the Kyoshi novel, like we see lightning bending, and it's a surprise. Like that's right, like, cool, Kyo- yeah. like it reads, it reads. For some reason, I'm trying to think like why is that moment way cooler? Because it than... wasn't hyped up. Like you didn't. We yeah, weren't hearing yeah. all the time about this guy it doing was... this unheard of thing. You just, you just knew it was dangerous. Yeah, it, that was not the backdrop of the synopsis. Yes, of <laughs> of, of, of the Kyoshi novels. Um, they come out like Kyoshi's just like, and he moves his hands in a way, and then he reaches, he extends one out towards me, and next thing I know, I'm on the ground thriving, <laughs> like, like oh crap, he no, left not me thriving, writhing, not thriving, not writhing. thriving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing great. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, right, yeah, right. Um, I think it. So, hey, for- 
you know, we're being kind of hard on it though for for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah. The the longer that I kind of dwelt on it, uh, yes. the the more comfortable with it I got. Maybe the real real was a letdown, but the idea is a good one. Yes, and I and I love the way I think he described combustion bending perfectly. He did it great. He was like they breathe in and then they like their stomach does something and they had to like like it 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 lined up i think his description of it was really great and also i really love how yang chin has to be a tactician she has to pick up on these little subtle nuances like all right this one went off at this time There's they have about again. 30 yeah, they have about thirty seconds between them, or whatever time frame between them. Actually, I got yeah, this that's much pure time Batman. Like, get out, identifying the timing and the direction based on nothing but little yes. noises and some holes in the ground. That's that's hundred yes. percent Batman. Yeah, so that was great, and I love that. Like, all right, we gotta take them out one by one by one. Take them out, uh, and the way she takes them out is pretty much suffocation. Uh, and like she's so, she's so against this. She's like, you guys can't see me do this. Like, I I have to go in and and do this alone because I don't want you to see me do this technique. I, I can't even watch me murder these people in a very slow yeah. and painful fashion. Yeah. Well, she didn't. She didn't kill them, but still, well, the she, act she of like comments on the amount of like tenuousness between their life and death when she's trying to yes. pull it off. Yeah, she is like, if I did this for 10 more seconds, this person would die. <laughs> no big deal. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so, so they take them all out. Um, and, uh, I forget how, did she, oh, the last one was, like, really difficult to take out, because the last one was... It's pretty much canon now that female combustion benders are stronger than the male ones. At least that's what I'm looking at. That seems to be that's, the trend. That's your takeaway from this. I'm okay with that. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I got no got no beef with that. Uh, oh, you know something we haven't mentioned yet is Yoshi. And I can't take uh, Yang Chen. We'll bring it up later because it is somewhat connected to the story. Um, well, it's very connected to the story. But anyway, uh, White Lotus. Remember talking about White Lotus? Yeah, I forgot about that little tidbit. Yeah. Oh. Um, the so she defeats the the last one. Um, she then like she then uh pretty much takes them to the Air Temple to hold them as hostages. And there was a really interesting conversation between her and like the head master, I guess, of the or the head monk. He was like the head monkster. Yeah, he was like, "What you're like, sure, all these people are all these aeronauts are willing to like watch them, but it does something to to their souls. Like you know, to hold a person captive, you now have given yourself power over them, and that can be dangerous, like to them, like." Yang Chen, you don't like you're not necessarily grasping the ramifications of of what is happening here. It ain't right. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and so that was a really uh, interesting conversation. I forget exactly what happens to Inchi. What does this? I don't remember. Oh, I think she also. Head. Oh no, she she takes him to jail. She takes him to Airbenny jail also. That's right. And then she goes and chats up the Earth King. She can't get any information out of the out of the uh, combustion benders. They all stay silent. Yes. And the big strong yeah, one's he, my favorite because he's just kind of soaking it up up there. <laughs> it's like this is great. Meals all day and uh, great scenery. I think he said I saw a sunrise the other day that was like the most beautiful thing he saw in the yeah, world. That's kind of like touching. in my head, I'm like, like that's how an air nomad prison probably is. It's like, very peaceful. Water, that's true rehabilitation, like, though, right there, air nomad yes, prison. Yeah, that's that's what I would. I thought they would go down that path more. Like we're not here to put you in prison. Like we're here to rehabilitate you, and and then because eventually she has to. Yang Chan does not want to keep them there their whole lives. Not at all. Um, and the monks probably wouldn't let her. No, that'd keep... be real awkward. Yeah. Because then everybody would just be getting thrown in prison like, oh no, send me up to the Northern Air Temple, you know? Yeah. Oh, what he said was, uh, what the... Um, uh, <clears throat> so what the head monk was saying was they're having this conversation... Uh, and then uh, he's, he's like, you cannot keep them here that long. What you have done to your brothers is an abomination. And she's like, I'm sorry, but I had no choice. I will apologize to each of them for forcing such an abhorrent task into their hands. No, Avatar. The problem is that they might enjoy the job too much. Uh, he says... Uh, so he says, he glanced over to the monks guarding Papa, which I was like the head guy. There were young men, strong benders all. Holding dominion over another human being is a mighty temptation. If we developed a taste for such power, began to crave it, then we would no longer be air nomads. Uh, oh, well, Yang Chen finished his sentence there. And he's like, just go, please. Uh, so I really love... I feel like we learned a lot about air nomads in 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 this. That's an interesting thought and just interesting um, conversation between the two of them. And then, uh, yeah, then Hinshi tries to like um, he tries to to uh, give her a name of of like. Oh, I bet you don't know this person is working for me, and she's like I already know like everything's happening, which makes him feel even more defeated. Um, before that, he, Kyoshi and Kavik had that tough conversation, where Kavik comes clean to her about the lie, um, and. Uh, and uh, and they pretty much like she. They kind of 
make really, up, but like in a very formal way, like, all right, you know, I like can't yeah. trust you anymore. Right. And he's like, yeah, I kind of get that. Yeah. But at the same time, they're all good. Yes. Uh, well, to me, the relationship dynamic changed. It was at first it was very transactional and then it became like, Oh, I think there's something between us. Maybe not even romantically, just like, Hey, I am like, I am, I respect you and admire you as, as a person and I trust you. And now it's just like, I can't trust you. Now it's like, you do work for me. I mean, she says to him, I made a mistake in trusting you, Kavik. You're not one of my companions. I think that probably cut him uh, really hard. Yeah. Deservedly so. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, my point was, is that I hope in the next book, she realizes how easy it is to not be perfect. How that, I, that's why I want to see her kill someone. Because I want her to deal with with uh, not meeting expectations and not being perfect, understanding that people are put in situations they have to do things that they don't agree with. I think and it's going to happen might... to an extent. I think it's going to happen like with Kavik and in the spirit world. Hmm. They're going to yeah. make amends in a similar fashion to what you've just described. Yes. And then that will lead to them making amends. Yep. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, she had a conversation with the Earth King, which is kind of just like they're both they're both beating around the bush purposely of just like, yes, I knew all this stuff that's happened, blah blah blah. Um, oh, what can we do? And then this time she's like, you know what? I've talked to Avatar Zeto, <laughs> and he thinks we should do this and this. He's like, oh, okay, like. It's, she's almost Did you just use your John taking... Lady voice to say, okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It came off that. It came out a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, and she, I love that it's such a character, almost a character flaw, but more of a trait, that she, this time, is willing to invoke her past life to get something done like it's almost sacrilegious in a way like it's almost like taking the lord's name in vain like zero said to me you know you guys can't prove it but i am his conduit and he told me that this was a good plan like i wonder just how many of them disagree with her on that's this. like being that the older like, sibling and having mom and dad on your side when you're explaining something to a younger sibling yeah. yeah but like he but she doesn't though like she's lying to them that zeto gave her this advice and information yeah, if it's her advice it's kind of zeto's advice it's fine it's <laughs> fine uh i mean no that that's that's I think it's fine, but it's she's clearly lying to them so they can just do it. And just... so that's part of her uh, moral dilemma as an air nomad versus the Avatar. Yeah. I would have liked to see her talk to her past lives more, which I think is a really interesting facet that she... Oh, and we, we'll get to this other point too because it's connected. She is almost pushing aside her spirituality because they have been such a burden to her 
taking over her body, taking over her almost spirit, holding her captive hostage that she she doesn't necessarily really I think is trying to reach her past lives. So I think the next book is going to have her have a conversation with Zeta. I uh, actually kind of liked that she didn't in this book. Like this book, it was sort of the struggle, right? And then yeah. the next book, maybe she'll figure out how to rein, them, uh, rein it in and do it more on her own terms. So I was okay with that uh, being sort of an intentional choice. Which she did She did meet with uh, so the White Lotus, we talked about before. And that's where they had a lot of this conversation about was like, is Yang Chen really fully living up to her potential? And this White Lotus like lady is like almost chastising, uh, belittling Yang Chen. Like you could do so much more with your with your life than what you're doing and the way you're going about it. And then Yang Chen doesn't like like Yang. It's funny because like the White Lotus is coming off almost antagonistic in, in this. Yeah, they're not um, good. Or at least in a nuisance or an annoyance. Like. Like Yang, it's funny because Yang Chen, uh, what is it? She get does she get hurt or something and go somewhere? Like she says, she needs information. Oh, she's like backed into kind of a corner, and she needs some resources. And she <laughs> she breaks it sort of breaks it to the White Lotus. Like she says the thing like, does the gate open to the guard? Whatever it is, and then the guy like she says the whole thing. Or the door opens. Like she, she says it to him, and then he's like weary of it. And then she's like, "It doesn't matter if I'm a member or not. Like the door is open to all who call." <laughs> like Sean almost teaches him about about it, but she's like, "Listen, I know passcode. It doesn't matter if I'm a member or not. I know the passcode, and that's all that matters." She like uh, she also plays the game of Pi Show. She on their shit, yeah. Yeah, she like plays both sides of the game of Pi Show to get it going. Like she's like, listen, I I know it. Like, come on. Uh, so that was a interesting conversation. Um, yeah, I think that's it with uh like spoiler stuff with the with the book the. There's a lot of stuff I really uh, like. Oh, there was some, the moment where... I don't know, I could talk about that. I think it's my favorite moment. Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think in uh, part two, Chris, we'll give you know our, we'll do our top three moments, but then we can certainly just bullet point and highlight some other things that stood out to us. Yeah. Yeah, we could. What's the recap, though? Not for nothing. Um, yeah, I think that's a solid recap for now, and we're also quite a ways in, so we'll try to spread it across that second episode a little more. Um, so hey, come back next week for part two, which, so if this one is the summary and review, consider next part, the ratings and top moments, top favorite moments. Um, in the meantime, my name is Sean Taylor. That guy down there is my friend, Chris Ford, AKA the objective geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. And if as soon as I can find my mouse, I will sit there. It is. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Oh, Chris just cast in the credits. That's going to show up in there because I haven't muted yet.
I never meet us during the credits anymore. <laughs>